Support for the South Carolina lead is made possible in part by Columbia Metropolitan Airport. For more information, flycae.com. Hello and welcome to the South Carolina lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 25th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. Now, obviously, a lot has happened on the world stage this week, with Russia invading Ukraine, creating the biggest crisis on the continent since World War II. While extremely important, we won't be getting into Ukraine here, though I did a little bit on This Week in South Carolina. You can check that out. Rather, we wanted to keep you updated on the stories that happened while you may have been a little preoccupied. Now, in politics, we hear from the House Majority Leader Gary Simmel about the $600 million income tax cut and other priorities. There's some campaign trail beef around that tax cut as well. Our Supreme Court watch officially ends with Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson getting the historic nomination and more. In business, we hear from Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin about possible ripple effects from Ukraine. Okay, there, there's some Ukraine in here. And in medical, Victoria Hansen brings us a report on one family with a toddler still waiting on the vaccine. Also, we want to hear your stories. That's why we have a voicemail box, 803-563-769. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail with your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. We love hearing from you guys all over the state. Give us some perspective about what's going on in your neck of the woods. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is still widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 16,790 total deaths, and currently there are 1,459,070 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of February 24th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive is 6.2%. There are 740 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19, 143 are in intensive care, and 79 are in ventilators. Currently, 54% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. A big round number! This week, the House of Representatives passed their big $600 million income tax cut plan by a vote of 110 to 0 on Wednesday. There was massive bipartisan support there, as you can tell by that vote, which I guess is easy to do when you have a few extra billion dollars floating around, just here and there. I spoke with House Majority Leader Gary Simrel about this tax cut, as well as the $14 billion budget that got passed out of the House Ways and Means Committee this week, and what might happen with medical marijuana now that it's in the House. Here's what he told me on This Week in South Carolina on Friday. While the goal, obviously, is to lower taxes in South Carolina, the income tax from 7% to 6%, uh, this first year we're able to lower it to 6.5%. But the effective rate in South Carolina is actually 3.1%. But I think the most important part of this piece of legislation is the fact that we collapse the brackets of 3 4 5 and 6% into 3%. So... As I've told people, this is more of a Main Street than a Wall Street tax package uh, because it helps middle workers, Mm -hmm. those that are doing most of the um, heavy lifting in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. they benefit the most. And so there's about a 25 percent reduction in your tax liability 
for most South Carolinians, which is which is great uh, for our state, great for our economy, because you're keeping more of the money that you earn. With that, you saw Democrats and Republicans come together in a bipartisan manner to support this measure. Uh, whereas before you had arguments over how to spend money, don't send it back to the taxpayer, invest in other uh, programs in South Carolina. And in this instance, you had everyone uh, unanimously come together to say, this is a good move for South Carolina. And it was that all-inclusiveness for us in this tax package that made that difference. Very nice to see some bipartisanship. Not that it's a foreign concept in the state house, but always good to see that. Uh, but Gary, you talked about on the floor this week when you were talking about this tax this income tax cut, that it's been years since the house has really passed one. Of course, governors, our current one and previous ones have always been pushing for this. Uh, what makes it all possible right now? I'm guessing because we have massive surpluses, but talk about that, how, what makes it possible right now? And, and it's not just a surplus, Gavin, because a surplus can come or go much like a tide. Uh, in this case, it, it's sustainability, and it's it's how you create a spending plan, prioritizing spending. And so because the economy in South Carolina has been doing so well, obviously we're now home to 5.2 million people. So th those avenues make it very important for us. We, we have tackled and continue to tackle infrastructure issues that make it easier to get around in South Carolina and more safely. So all of that is a culmination of prioritization of spending. But to have the funding in place, because these are recurring dollars, you have to do this every year. If you go back to 2005, which I mentioned on the floor, where we passed an income tax cut, we soon realized that it jeopardized potentially the credit rating of South Carolina. Certainly, we don't want to do anything that, that hinders our economy uh, or hampers growth in the future. And so we, we were able to take this tranche of, of funding uh, through growth, again, recurring dollars this year, about $620 million. We took every bit of that and put it over into this, into this tax cut. But the sustainability becomes the, the real issue here. That's the reason there are triggers uh, within this. So if we don't see a 5% growth by February 15th in the projections from the Board of Economic Advisors, the rest of the tax cut does not go through. The remaining part, what we are passing today, pending that the Senate agrees and the governor would sign it, which we know the governor will, of course, uh, that part would, would stay. And Gary, we have less than 30 seconds, but I want to just ask you about medical marijuana. That's obviously passed the Senate. It has an uncertain future in the House chamber. Uh, with 30 seconds, kind of tell us where that's going, obviously after the budget gets through the chamber in March, but how do you see that progressing? So all bills that come from the Senate prior to crossover, which would be the end of March, we deal with House bills and legislation first, obviously the budget, which you and I have just talked about today. Once we get through that, uh, the end of March, 1st of April, you will start having hearings on Senate bills. And so the, the issues that are coming across from the Senate now that are new 2022, not leftover 2021 bills, those will have uh, hearings and plenty of time for debate between April and the time we do sine die adjournment first part of May. We'll pass the House. Not sure. Yep. Uh, you know, again, it, it, it took a long time in the Senate. I yep. think it was, what, 25 to 13 or something in, in that range. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the votes in the House yet, but it depends on what the bill looks like. A lot to look forward to as our march to sine die starts. And speaking of that tax cut, there's a little 7th Congressional District campaign trail <laughs> drama involving that vote. 
Surfside Beach Representative Russell Fry, who is running to unseat incumbent Tom Rice, was absent for the all-important second reading vote of the bill Wednesday because he was down at Mar-a-Lago with other Trump-endorsed candidates like Katie Arrington, who are looking to replace so-called anti-Trump candidates like Tom Rice, who has always supported Trump's policies but voted to impeach him for inciting the January 6th insurrection, and also Nancy Mace, who supported Trump, but was outspoken against his handling of the insurrection and also voted to certify election results of the 2020 election, the most secure one in our nation's history. Upon Fry missing that vote for the tax cut bill, Tom Rice tweeted, The SC House passed the largest tax cut in our state's history. It's too bad Russell Fry missed the vote because it was more important for him to be at Mar-a-Lago kissing the ring. It's funny he always made time to be there to vote on the tax increases. This prompted Fry on Thursday to call for a roll call vote on third reading of the bill, an unusual move when popular bills just pass by voice vote. Nevertheless, Fry got his vote on the record. Over in the Senate, members set for special order an unemployment benefits bill sponsored by Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey and Richland Democratic Senator Mia McLeod, who is also running for governor. The bill would adjust weekly unemployment benefit payouts for inflation. Also, the controversial anti-vaccine mandate bill, H3126, which would heavily penalize any company that imposes vaccine mandates on its employees, as well as ban any public employers from imposing mandates, made its way out of the Finance Committee to the floor. But that finance meeting was a bit all over the place, so we expect the forthcoming Senate floor debate to be the same. Governor McMaster told reporters he's hesitant to support a bill imposing such fines on private businesses. The Senate did approve its hands-free bill, which prohibits people from holding their cell phone while driving. We see you. Put it down. Put it down right now. All right? Now, this is to beef up the hard-to-enforce no-texting law on the books in the state. S-248, which was sent to the House, would increase fines for people caught holding the phone. They'd be fined $100 for the first offense, $200 and two points if caught again in three years, and more. Drivers can tap their phone to start or end calls and to turn their phone on or off. I mean, when was the last time you turned your phone off? Anyway, lead says, put your damn phone down and drive, but also call from a safe location. 803-5669. Also this week, the governor nominated Eden Hendrick to lead the Department of Juvenile Justice. She has been acting director of the beleaguered agency since September when Eddie Pugh resigned amid low employee morale and walkouts. He also failed to make changes and received a vote of no confidence from the Senate amid other problems. Hendrick has already made big changes, including bringing administrative staff back behind the fence at Broad River Road, cleaning house, and pushing for a $20 million mental health treatment facility in partnership with the Department of Mental Health. She's expected to be easily confirmed by the Senate. And Supreme Court Watch 2022 has officially ended. No, we're not going to use our voice. We're going to use a Hunger Games cannon. AT, please. It ends with President Joe Biden nominating D.C. Circuit Court Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. Now, this is not the nomination South Carolinians were looking for two years after President Joe Biden made the announcement to nominate a black woman to the high court on the Charleston debate stage following Congressman Jim Clyburn's urging. While Clyburn got that commitment out of Biden, he didn't get his favorite, Federal District of South Carolina Judge J. Michelle Childs. Clyburn did praise Judge Brown-Jackson in a statement and said, This is a glass ceiling that took far too long to shatter, and I commend President Biden for taking a sledgehammer to it. I congratulate Judge Jackson and offer my full support during the confirmation process and beyond. 
Now, before the Supreme Court scramble, Childs was nominated by Biden to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and the confirmation process will continue in the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is where Senator Lindsey Graham is a ranking member. He, too, was pushing for Childs, promising that he could get 10 Republicans to support her, far more than the three Republicans, himself included, that backed Brown-Jackson in 2014 for the D.C. Court of Appeals. Graham weighed in on the announcement Friday, saying, The radical left has won President Biden over yet again. The attacks by the left on Judge Childs from South Carolina apparently worked. I expect a respectful but interesting hearing in the Senate Judiciary Committee. The Harvard to Yale train to the Supreme Court continues to run unabated. In a statement, Senator Tim Scott said, in part, I believe Judge Michelle Childs would have been an excellent nominee to our nation's highest court. I am disappointed that President Biden missed the opportunity to nominate a highly qualified judge who would have garnered widespread bipartisan support. Now, this is about as much public support Senator Scott has given Childs, because even though there is a strong precedent of senators from the home state of a Supreme Court nominee voting for them, if they're qualified, regardless of party, it's not likely that Scott would have followed that precedent. Because in this hyper-partisan world, supporting qualified nominees from the other party is apparently not allowed. Let's start business with a lawsuit settlement. South Carolina is set to get $300 million out of the $26 billion opioid settlement agreement. This money will start flowing to South Carolina in the second quarter of 2022, according to SC Attorney General Alan Wilson's office. Wilson said, quote, these settlements will provide much needed financial resources, which will help combat South Carolina's opioid epidemic. My office looks forward to working with stakeholders around the state to ensure that these dollars have the greatest impact possible in each of our communities. Wilson's office notes that the agreement marks the culmination of three years of negotiations to resolve more than 4,000 claims of state and local governments across the country. It is the second largest multi-state agreement in U.S. history, second only to the Tobacco Master Settlement Agreement. South Carolina expects to receive more than $300 million over the next 18 years. Under an agreement reached by the Attorney General and the litigating counties, 92% of these funds will be used to directly address the opioid crisis in South Carolina, including by supporting treatment, recovery, harm reduction, and other strategies. More information on this treatment will be revealed in the coming days. So good news there for Sarah Goldsby over at Deotis. I know she's looking forward to that. Moving on, Richmond Federal Reserve President Tom Barkin spoke on what effects the Russian invasion may have on the economy. He spoke at a lunch hosted by Virginia's Gateway Region at the Keystone Antique Truck and Tractor Museum in Colonial Heights, Virginia, and he said the Fed needs to go ahead with raising interest rates to tackle inflation. And now I do apologize for this on-camera audio from a photographer with the Richmond Times-Dispatch, but that's what happens when you're in an antique truck and tractor museum. (laughs) Here's Tom. You know, most of my colleagues, and certainly my own point of view, is that it's time to normalize rates. And it's timely normalized rates, as I said in my statement, because um, underlying demand in the economy is quite strong, because unemployment is low, labor markets are very tight, and because inflation is elevated and persistent. And our mandate is stable, includes stable prices, and so this is a classic time we want to raise rates in an effort to try to get to stable prices. So you then have to ask the question, does this Russian invasion of Ukraine change that underlying logic? 
the answer is no one knows exactly where this is going to go. We do have some experience with Russia invading the Ukraine. They did that in 2014. So like Barkin said, no one knows where this is going to go, but we do have some exposure economically, especially involving commodities like oil and wheat. Now, just a reminder, Barkin is over the 5th District, which includes the Carolinas, Virginia, Maryland, D.C., and West Virginia. We've been talking about how Pfizer is still in a holding pattern when it comes to getting emergency authorization for its vaccine for children as young as six months. Victoria Hansen with South Carolina Public Radio has this report on how one Charleston family with a toddler, limited daycare, and no vaccine is handling this situation. Three-year-old Graham Duhamel dumps dozens of colorful plastic tubes onto the living room floor for his favorite game, Marble Run. Yes, it's a mess, but a lesson in problem solving as a curious toddler tries to build tunnels for glowing marbles to roll through. And we can make a big tower for them. His mother, Kim, admits it's even harder than it looks. We've never mastered this. Well, there's a football in here, too. But then again, Kim has been busy trying to master raising a child during a global pandemic, the only world Graham has ever known. She says he was about to turn two when COVID hit. Instead of the planned celebration with balloons and party favors, the toddler got his first protective mask. Immediately, his daycare closed. Kim and her husband both work and found themselves scrambling to find new childcare while juggling careers, conference calls, and quarantine at home. So it was just balancing and survival mode. And it honestly, as a mom, I, I felt like I have been failing in all areas, both work and um, personal. <laughs> now, as much of the nation begins to reopen with vaccinations readily available, the Duhamels feel forgotten. They're still struggling with how to best protect their child, one of 18 million across the country under the age of five, not yet eligible and vulnerable. I can't imagine what COVID would be like for a three-year-old when they can't express like that they can't taste, you know, clearly, you know, or a headache. Like I've never heard my son say he has a headache. So And, Kim says, Graham's daycare still suddenly closes at times as children become exposed. Yet the family continues to pay the center, in addition to hiring a last-minute babysitter just to keep it open. It's their only option as daycares nationwide permanently shutter in droves. Earlier this month, there was a glimmer of hope as vaccinations for younger kids like Graham seem near. The Food and Drug Administration was considering authorizing Pfizer's weaker two-shot dose, But weeks later, health officials changed their mind, saying more information is needed. That doesn't help ease the fears of parents like the Duhamels, who as adults were eager to get vaccinated, but still worry about potential long-term effects for children. Dr. Elizabeth Mack at the Medical University of South Carolina worries about something else. What keeps me up at night um, is vaccine hesitancy. She's the division chief of pediatric critical care medicine and has seen firsthand the toll the Omicron variant especially has taken on children. Yet fewer than 14 percent of kids ages 5 to 11 are fully vaccinated in South Carolina. 
As a researcher for a national study on kids overcoming COVID, Dr. Mack is concerned about the long-term effects of the disease, not the vaccine, especially Miss C, a syndrome that can inflame major organs like the heart, lungs, and kidneys. She wants parents to know. It is a very real risk for children, even if uh, they sail through their COVID infection, they could end up incredibly ill. A greater risk, she says, than effects from a vaccine. And Dr. Max stresses, as the virus adjusts to survive, so must we. That's something Kim is learning as she goes, not only navigating parenthood for the first time, but during a pandemic. Just a lot of unexpected dependencies are thrown at us every day. She's trying to just roll with it. But much like the marbles in Graham's complicated game, sometimes she gets stuck. There's no hole here. I know. There we go. But the Duhamels are figuring it out. They have to, to keep Graham safe. And at the time of our taping, the CDC still had not announced its new mask guidance. But be on the lookout for it. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our little break from the news and we talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. You guys are doing such a good job at sharing your stories with us. We love hearing from you guys. We got some in the hopper, but that doesn't mean you can't give us more. And you can do so by calling 803-563-7169-AT. It's my understanding that there is a fresh voicemail for us. There's something in here, okay? And shake it around. (laughs) There's something in there, okay? And uh, I I mean, you're right, Gavin. We do have calls lined up, but the hopper always wants to feed. Thirsty. It always is hungry. (laughs) Feed it. Feed the hopper. Feed the hopper. Never, never stop. All right. But yes, we do have a call uh, in response to uh, a previous caller, but just Mm. like a tease for the future, we do have some state park recs coming up. Yes. In future episodes. We have a great, we have a great expert that is going to be in here talking about state park recs. But also we have some callers, uh, honestly, a lot of callers calling in to talk about it, but not this one. This one, forget about anything that I just said. Anyway, are you ready, Gavin? Yes. Okay. Uh, hey, Gavin and AT, uh, my name is Matthew calling from the beautiful city of Greenwood, South Carolina. I'm a longtime listener and first-time caller, um, and I felt obligated to call after another person from Greenwood called a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm taking a nice long walk around um, a beautiful campus of Wander University, um, enjoying a very beautiful Saturday today, and uh, just wanted to give my thoughts on a couple of our hot topics and and recent um and i haven't had uh i haven't had covid yet uh and i say yet but uh, i'm hoping to continue that um vaxxed and boosted and trying to continue to be safe um but uh yeah about ranch and ranch on pizza i'm a big fan of ranch um and uh you know there are certain times when i would enjoy it with pizza for sure and I uh, would agree with your guest from a couple episodes back about uh, ranch as a base on pizza. I personally really enjoy that. Um, and back to my friend Dylan, who called a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, we probably like Domino's in Greenwood, but uh, I would say that uh, with a restaurant like the Mill House uh, in Uptown, that um, we are, you know, a little, a little above 
the dominant side on on uh, pizza. So um didn't mention it earlier, but um, I'm also on city council here in Greenwood um, and have been for five years now. Um, and really love it here and hope that you guys can come back and do another live show here soon. So I um, hope you guys have a great week and I'll hope to talk to you again soon. Matthew, I mean, councilman. Councilman, sir. Very great to hear from you. We love hashtag, yeah, that Greenwood. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm using that hashtag correctly. <laughs> Way to keep the non-COVID streak going. We love that. We support that. Also, question, you going to the Dixie driving up there and yeah. asking for ranch, baby? Gavin, That's the real question Gavin right there. Gavin and I love the, the Dixie. Dixie. Uh, it's my fa- It's one of my favorite burgers I've ever had. And like there, there are just some <laughs> days where I feel it in my bones, like I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And I would be willing. Willing to drive <laughs> no. from Columbia there it's, just to eat there. I wish it was a straighter shot because it is just a little off the beaten path, but a very nice little hidden gem, Greenwood we, is, uh, get with the widest, widest, widest in America, okay? <laughs> widest Main Street, W-I-D-E, okay? <laughs> I don't have to clarify that every time I say that word. I just like that. Uh, Gavin, you and I hit a nerve in Greenwood. Oh, yeah. We love hearing this. I yeah. mean, uh, keep, keep, keep calling back. But anyway, he, he, with that caller, he really touched on something mm-hmm. that we spoke about in a previous episode. Touched on a person. The person. Touched the, by an angel. The, uh, some would say. <laughs> but anyway, he was referencing Abby, and we have her back. Abby's back, everybody. Hello. She so is our uh, ETV marketing director, Abby Stilwell, <laughs> mm-hmm. and she is a purveyor of hot takes. Yes. Mm. And she has something for us today. Lots of feelings. Yeah, so explain to us Lay what, down, what this is going to look like here, Abby. Yes. Due to my overwhelming popularity, Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know that my I return to the show will be more frequent. Mm. And so to spice some things up, mm. I have prepared discussions on four topics. Oh okay. And I will let you two choose okay. between these four topics. That way Democratic. I have more to come back with. Sure, sure, sure. You're not you're not wasting it all at once. I'm not. Yes. I get I'm it. Not. That's that's just mm-hmm. smart. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Abby, hit it with us. Okay. This is this is a weird kind of jeopardy type deal. It is. Okay. But let's go with it. Okay. Topic number one kind of continuing food and drink okay mm-hmm. topic number two that i think gavin will avoid sports <laughs> uh, i don't think that people want that <laughs> we talked about sports two days like two episodes ago <laughs> topic number three conspiracy theory oh, she's preaching now uh, yeah, we like that and topic number four south carolina laws <laughs> that's that's two on the nose for this podcast. Um, that's a hat I, on a hat. I think, I mean, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on any number of conspiracy yeah. theories. Yeah, I, so. I feel like that's, I what, love that's what we're theory. picking. That's yes, what we're three. Picking. We're picking three. Okay. So, <laughs> I could throw some music under there. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So, basically, I have conspiracy theories broken into uh-huh. two categories. Uh huh. One, celebrity theories in general. Uh huh. And two, Truth. celebrity death theories. Oh, oh So, yeah. I would okay. like to discuss these, and y'all let me know if you think they're true or false. Okay, yeah. If you go hit along us with, with the, it or not. Hit us with the first one. So, let's go with just the general. These are a lot easier. Celebrity theories. One, musician Lord. O-R-D-E. Are y'all familiar? Yes. She's Australian, right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> the theory But you know this about her. <laughs> I know you know this, this about her. Okay. And I can sing royals all day long. Okay. Um, the theory is that she is actually 40-something mm-hmm. and has faked her age to sell herself as a young mus- musical prodigy. Do you believe that? Um, I want to hear y'all's thoughts first. I mean, I don't think that's an issue. I mean, I'm actually 
55. Yeah, Gavin. <laughs> Gavin's been faking his age I've for a been long faking time. it since day one. I'm day. going the other way. I'm only 14 years old. I, yeah. You're you a see, both of those are very plausible yeah. based on your actions. Um, um, I, I don't believe it. I would need to see some her. photos. She doesn't yeah. seem so old looking to me. She looks like she could be. She, she looks like if you say, actually, she's 45, you're like, oh, okay. You, you're saying, okay, mm-hmm. so I believe. I say it's believable, but I don't think it's true. So we're Abby debunking this. Okay. 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 All works. right. I, that's okay. Do with we me. do we answer the question here? I mean, you can if you want. She's, There's not an actual. What do you think? She's, she's 25. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I thought yeah. so. That's yeah. what she looks. Like. Maybe she's an but, old soul. You know. Well, yeah. That's what, so the like Lana uh, Del Rey. Quote, she loves vintage. Is that her birth certificate looked doctored? Mm. And Says she's who? too mature Birthers. for her age. <laughs> Lord Birthers. <laughs> Lord Says the Birthers. internet. They exist, baby. <laughs> so, get, uh, Abby, did you did you dig did you dig up? her birth certificate for this? I might have Googled it, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what a doctored one looks versus a real one. Okay, you have Every you, states are different. Have you ever They're seen all, your own? Yeah, I have a cop, I have my own. Pro Prove it. Show. show us yours right now. She was born in well, New Zealand. Well, it's at home. I'm not going to tell you where because I don't want to break in, but I do Prove, have it. If prove it. To produce tell it. us your social security number then. Prove it. <laughs> anyway, Gabby, next. Ne- Gabby, Gabby, just merge him. I've been called many things in life and wrong names all over the place. For some reason, Gabby is the one that just triggers Ooh, me the most. Yeah, so okay. you're triggered. We could call it the Gabby. Hour. There was a girl in one of my classes in elementary school named Gabby, and people would conflict or confuse us the most. Conflict. And I think it's because people think I talk a lot, and so they always call me Gabby Abby, and it's just, you know. Mm, 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 this mm, is the mm, content mm, I'm here mm, for. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. The, that's deep, I the hope, deep-seated I, trauma. I hope everyone listening knows to call her Gabby Abby from Please now. don't. Anyway, uh, number Abby, two. next number two. And I'm sure y'all have heard this one, that Stevie Wonder is not actually blind. I've I seen this. ATS thoughts on mm-hmm. this. I, I, think, I think he can see a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I've seen him, like, uh catch a ball he so the proof <laughs> is that he caught a falling mic stand yes that he has taken pictures before and is into photography and yes. typically does things that only seeing people can do because mm. i know that there was that uh snl skit with him playing tennis <laughs> and taking pictures and there's that but i also do know that he is into photography and yep. i've seen him mm-hmm. like catch things mm-hmm. and avoid things mm-hmm. to where people say that he can see and I bet he, I, I don't know, I, I think I, he might. I, I'm the gonna. catching, the photography, I I could see him still, you know, wanting to have a passion just to feel for it. But it's the catching a mic stand. I've seen Well, it. you that can gets hear, me. I mean, I don't know. You can I know hear, your other you senses are elevated. You're, you're saying he's mm-hmm. daredevil, Gavin. That that yeah. he, he he can he's around the scene. He knows what things sound like. He knows yeah. what's going on. He's he can such, sense things he's if it's such quiet a enough. seasoned musician that he knows the sound of a falling mic stand mm-hmm. whizzing through so. the air. I do have more evidence for our next category of. We have to go into another category. Yes, celebrity death theories, oh and these are shorter. So you Thank can just God. tell me if you think this person is alive or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can verify One, that. One. This is my favorite celebrity death conspiracy theory, and mm-hmm. it is about Avril Lavigne. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> it is my absolute favorite. Um, that sometime between the last 20 years. It was 2007, I believe. 2006 or that 7. That she actually died and has been replaced by a lookalike actress. What's her name, the lookalike? It's like Miriam or something. Yeah, it's something. I don't remember her name. Yeah, I it's, don't. It's Avril. I don't believe this What one. does Benji have to say about it? Benji? is Who's oh, that? Her, her husband. husband. A dog? No. Her husband. Her husband? From Sum 41. Yeah. I don't think the guy named in Sum 41 is Benji. That's yeah. not his actual name. Whatever it's... it was, the lead singer of Sum 41. Oh, no, it's Chad Kroger. No, that's Nickelback. Anyway, anyway. I, I think it's still Avril. I don't yeah. think that she's been replaced. I, and this is a well-trodden 
conspiracy theory mm-hmm. because there's Paul McCartney is the same way. Well, she didn't like to be touched, remember? Mm. Which I'm not going to hate well, on someone, but Paul that's McCartney a is very... one of the other ones I have on this list. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't quite believe that. Yep. Yeah. Gavin and I are, are are much more on the simulation. We're living in a simulation <laughs> yeah. level of conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. I will well, say, well, there are some, Matrix some deep glitches. dive ones that I thoroughly enjoy reading. But then it scares me whenever I realize people actually believe it. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the worst what we're, part. That's what we're. We mm-hmm. want some Twitter truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. some QAnon adjacent. <laughs> oh, bloody. not exactly. But I, okay. So the last one is what everybody should already know about is Tupac. Yes. I, I think he's dead. I he's on he's an dead. island. He. I'm not gonna I, say. I I'm not gonna say one. which island, but mm-hmm. I, I. He's out well, there with JFK Jr. Baby. <laughs> they're both. They borrow. They are both on the same island. Well, this one came because one of my favorite tweets from the Super Bowl show was, "If Tupac didn't come back for this, then surely he's actually dead." <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree with take. that. Anyway, Abby, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for the research and the time and dedication. <laughs> I'm excited to go through these other ones. They're not. Yes, this um, journey is only beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're all topics. on it with us. And uh, I guess that means you'll replace that one with another one, and we can still. Yep. Well, we still technically have three categories. I know, left, but I'm always so... you know, up for a fresh update. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll think of another one. Such as potent potables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, say goodbye to everyone. Bye, everybody. Thanks for coming on, Abby. We can't wait to see you again. And again, like AT said, we're going to have some state park recommendations for you coming up but that doesn't mean you can't give us yours by calling 803-563-7169 again thanks to councilman matt for calling us up in greenwood and you can show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on itunes we love those and you can stay up to date with the latest news on scetv.org and southcarolinapublicradio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers for the south carolina lead i'm gavin jackson be well south carolina He's a reptile! I've seen his blood!